Welcome to the Tim Biscuit Podcast. Today we've got a new guest that is Melanie On. You're supposed to introduce <laughs> I thought, yourself. Sorry, I thought you, I thought no, you were going to look at me. Fine. Yes, it's Melanie On. I've been trying to get you on for ages. Have you? Yeah. I like phoned your office. Right. Like, maybe last year. And I said, yeah, we'll like, get in contact with you. Yeah. No one ever did. Oh, that isn't They good. were trying to keep us apart because it's a free speech podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to look and see if there's, uh, well, if there's thank- a benefit to it. <laughs> well, who knows about that one. But thanks for coming on. That's and thanks right. for taking the time because we're having it in a coffee shop on a Sunday at Riverhead Coffee in Grimsby. Yeah. And you was the MP for Grimsby. I was, yeah. Till, what, four weeks ago? Three oh, weeks like, ago? Like, so how did it feel? Because, like, is it since 1945 or was it 1947? 45, yeah. 45. And then when I looked at the map, it looked like England was, like, underwater. Yeah, it's been flooded. Flooded by blue. Uh, Awful. It's awful. Why do you think that is? Do you think... Do you, like, oh, do you think it's loads of reasons. do you think Jeremy Corbyn didn't help matters with his policies? Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn didn't help. Um, people just didn't take to him. Um, didn't didn't trust him. Did you take um, to him? Didn't trust like him. him. Did you no, like him? No. Uh, well, on a personal level, I don't. You know, it, Jeremy's a, a really lovely, personable man. Mm-hmm. But as the leader of the Labour Party, I didn't take to him. Um, and that's been problematic, you know, within the yeah. Labour Party for the last couple of years you, because people were like, you're never really behind him, you're part of the problem. Um, I, yeah, always had a, got, I always had a bigger picture of what I wanted the Labour Party to look like and it, it wasn't under Jeremy's but leadership. But it's a different constituency, yeah? Yeah. It's, it's mainly... Yeah. Well, it, well, it was I mean, Labour. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's, it was Labour. It's, it's, a, it's a constituency that is made up of very pragmatic people who, uh, some of whom have had really tough times and mm-hmm. they've had to overcome that. Um, some of whom are just working their backsides off, really, to get by. Yeah. And they, uh, particularly when they saw this, uh, this manifesto for this general election, combined with all the other issues around Brexit, um, and then perhaps their personal feelings around uh, the leadership of the Labour Party, they just looked at it and were like, no, no do you, way. Do you think Brexit was the key to it all? Uh, I think that that started to kick things off because they really felt that Labour wasn't listening to them and Labour therefore wasn't interested in their views and it just, it snowballed, you know, the the anger and the frustration just got more and more. Um, And they punished us at the ballot box in December. Hammered. Really, really hammered us, yeah. Was it a surprise for you? No. No, the size of the majority was. Yeah. um, Because, you know, you could see that lots of, um, there was such a drop in the Labour vote, it meant that lots of Labour people just stayed at home. Um, well, that's so not the good size, then, is it? No, no. And then a lot of Labour people went to the Tories this time. Yeah. So I think there was probably, I would say, a 50-50 split, which is based on nothing other than my, my gut. Um, <laughs> having been doing this for a long time, that 50% of that, you know, the Tory majority... Um, came from, from Labour voters yeah, and one, the other part was stopping at One home. of these things on this manifesto I want to keen about was the £10 um, national minimum wage from 16. Right. Because like, I thought people are getting training and they're getting £10 an hour because they've done courses then people can just go into a place, say McDonald's, which is no disrespect for people who work at McDonald's, but they can get £10 an hour, the same person who's maybe gone through a two-year college course to get where they are to get £10. Mm. I mean, I I take a different view on that. I mean, I just think if people are doing a job um, and that job uh, is exactly the same as the person stood next to them doing the job, then 
there is a rate for that job and they should yeah. get it. Um, there, there are different things. Apprentices wouldn't have got that. No. And if you look at the Conservatives, they're saying that they're going to put the minimum wage up yeah. to that £10. They're going to do it over the next two or three but years. it's not throughout so, the board, is it, with the Conservatives? Where uh, Labour no, it. they're going to keep the differential and I, and I still have an issue with that. I the, still uh, have an issue with that. Well, yeah, because there's nothing that says that somebody who's 22 is not going to have exactly the same um, uh, issues, uh, you know, uh, kind of pulls on their life and their finances is as someone who's 26. So why have we got this arbitrary, would, you know, you've got to be over 24 or over 25 to would get you agree the high rate. someone who's welding gets paid the same amount as old, someone who works at McDonald's who's 26 gets paid the same amount as someone who's welding who's 26? Well, I think that that is a different proposition because that's about the content of the job and it's about what uh, people can afford to do. And then there is a requirement upon employers to make sure that they are paying people mm -hmm. an appropriate amount for the work that they are doing. So, so pay the, you more, wear sort of thing. the more skill that is involved, the higher the rate the job should be. Yeah. Um, and that isn't for government to, to set, that is for businesses to then be responsible yeah. and say, this is the amount. The danger is, of course, you do keep putting the, ma the minimum wage up. And I know because local employers have come to me with the last rise um, in the minimum wage, saying it was making things very difficult for them and making things very difficult for their employees when it came to things like their universal credit allowances. Um, you know, you do start to put a bit of a strain on, and it does. The differentials yeah. um, in job roles do start to get squeezed at that bottom end. So yeah. if you are a welder and you are skilled at welding, but you've been getting paid, I don't know, £10.70 an hour, as soon as you put a minimum wage in that's £10 an hour, and that's for, you know, whether you're that working in a cafe or, um, or whether you're working in retail or whether you're a care worker then it does start to squeeze it, particularly yeah. if you've, you know, you worked your way up to that £10.70 over the last three years because you've been doing a lot of training and you've got additional knowledge and expertise in it. And then their wage is going to have to go up. And then their wage is going to have to go Be up, which puts more pressure on the employers. And then the small businesses will have to put their prices up. So it doesn't set anything, it just goes back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that is the argument against it. My argument for it is always that when Labour first introduced the national, national minimum wage, mm -hmm businesses and people were saying well that's it the whole economy is going to collapse we're never going to be able to manage it and actually that didn't happen um, people were better off having more money in their pocket coming from the work that they were doing um, and so catastrophizing I suppose yeah. um, that the whole economic system is going to be completely broken down isn't realistic but I think that there probably is a, a, a level at which the minimum wage you know needs to be set at that is reasonable um, and that doesn't put uh, businesses under too much strain yeah because it's um like sort of also i've heard reports of like people saying well if everyone gets eight uh, everyone else gets paid 10 pound there'll be no strive to do any better because like they could just go into a normal job and just get 10 pound an hour doing something less work wise than they could well i think or do you think it comes no, down to personal? Uh, yeah because i think i think that you know if, if people just want to, um, you know, do a day's work and then go home, yeah. then perhaps they're never going to be looking for the kind of work that is excessively challenging um, for them, whatever that might be, whether it's physical, physically challenging or mentally challenging, um, that they will all, you know, that that's the kind of work that they want to do. Perhaps it suits their work-life balance, yeah. perhaps it, it suits their, um, their attitude, that they're prepared to do the work, but um, you know, they don't, they don't really want the stress and the strain of having to go beyond that, and they're happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of think that that's probably not 
the the best argument <laughs> against it. What um, if a like you was Jeremy Corbyn and you was in charge of the Labour Party? <laughs> I'd have a better beard. I'm, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I'd have an allotment. He's I'd make my own jam. Do you? No, I oh, would if I was Jeremy Corbyn. Why don't you get an allotment? There's plenty why don't I get an allotment? Because I, I really haven't got very green fingers at all. Yeah, and yeah. he has got a crap beard, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything you would have said different and you? in his manifesto changed from like what he said to what you, you would have done yeah I mean I get the and it wouldn't have solved anything you know it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have won us the election yeah. having a, a a changed manifesto but I think one of the big things that I've learned over the last few weeks is um you know the more you put in to a manifesto the more there is to be picked apart by the opposition mm -hmm and that we need to look at those who won and learn the lessons of their victory. So what did the Tories do? Well, the Tories didn't put a massive manifesto out there. They didn't go into loads of policy detail. Um, they didn't really worry about it being uh, fully costed or anything like that, because it was very vague yeah. in the stuff that they were putting in. So they had two or three big announcements that they just kept going on and on and on about, and they, um, they were enough. So it was dealing with Brexit, yeah. and moving the news cycle beyond Brexit. Um, and you wouldn't have known that there was a vote the other day on Brexit and, like, the third reading's gone through. You know, six months ago, if we'd have been doing yeah. that, it would have been all over the news and people would have been, like, you know, emailing their MPs, millions of emails coming in. Um, but it passed without note. So they did that. They put a big announcement out about um, staffing the NHS and they did um, an announcement on policing. And Policemen, police was it 20,000 extra more yeah. officers? Yeah, so that was right? it, like three big things. So, you know, for them, it was good because, you know, it, uh, it covered the public sector angle, yeah. dealing with concerns about the NHS, and it dealt with um, law and order and street safety because, you know, we're going to have more police officers. And then we're getting Brexit done, which is the thing that they wanted to talk about throughout the whole election, whereas the Labour Party had a manifesto that just went into... Um, so much detail, you know, it, it was massive, absolutely massive. Um, and there were things in there that are incredibly forward thinking, really, really interesting. Yeah. But really about the kind of policy considerations that we do need to think about, and we absolutely should as a country be worried about, you know, fourth industrial revolution and what is work going to look like, how is automation going to impact yeah. on the kind of jobs that we all go out and do. Um, but in that manifesto, it just seemed unbelievable. So I would have paired it right back and I'd have, you know, tried to focus it on the reality of Some people's day-to-day -day lives now, because it's, it's nearly impossible. You know, when yeah. people are, you know, going out and, uh, working and raising their kids and you know all the things that are going on in people's lives doing their caring responsibilities and um, job responsibilities that you ask them to think about you know well we need to get ready for this in 30 or 40 years time they're like well you know I might not be here in 30 or 40 years time so what is going to change now and what are yeah. my priorities now to... and that's what I want to hear about yeah because um you also had, and I don't know, I've just seen what I've seen on Twitter and the news, but Diane Abbott didn't get a very good time with it. She, she, she like, didn't, but... She, like, came across, because there was some interviews she where she forgot figures. No, she didn't. Not this time, she didn't. No. She wasn't even in the election this time, so that just goes to show you... How the media play, and that's... And what sticks in people's minds. And that's what I was going to bring on to. Right. Do, do you think media, media... Do you think the media had a big part to play in how they manipulate the public... 
don't know that they manipulate the public. They they have stories. They create stories. They um, you know they have a particular view on stories. I don't think it's you know I look at the Labour Party over the last three or four years, and you know that we have within our own organisation amongst members and supporters developed this narrative about you know big bad media, um, you know slamming Murdoch and. Um, you know, all, all the journalists who have been getting absolutely ripped to pieces. And I've always said to members here locally, when they've been getting upset about the things that the media have been saying, whether it's been attacking Jeremy yeah. on a personal level or having a go at Diane Abbott or whatever it is, and getting very personal, not on the policies, but on yeah. the personal side of things, I've always said to them that we've always had to deal with that. And it's our responsibility as a party to try and overcome it and to try and uh, get ahead of the media and plant good stories that yeah. reflect well on us, that is going to capture the public's well, imagination. Well, they won't print it, they'll say it, about it, would they, if it's a good story? All the, no, uh, I disagree, I disagree. If you, if you can get the right media angle, which means that you need good people who are experienced, who understand how the media works, that you can do that. And I, I look at the stuff that... Um, John Ashworth did, he's a Shadow Health Secretary, he got loads of really positive stories in about the NHS, you know, talking mm. about um, uh, Labour's vision for the NHS and the, the challenges that the NHS is facing under the Tories at the moment, did really well. Um, Louise Haig, Shadow Policing Minister, really good stories. And that's why, you know, when it comes to the election, the two things that the Tories picked out to go on was the NHS and was policing because those two shadow ministers had done a phenomenal job of putting them under pressure yeah. and criticising the way that they had uh, delivered those two areas of policy over the last 10 years. I think more police because, I mean, again, is is it the media, but there seems to be a lot of knife crime going about, even in sort of Grimsby, there's a lot of knife attacks, yeah. but especially in London. Yeah. Do, you, like, do you think it's always been there and the media just at this point are beginning to latch on and say this this is happening and if you didn't know about it would it still be what I'm trying to say is is knife crime the same as it was say 10 years ago or has it risen well the figures say that it's risen mm -hmm. whether or not that's more people reporting that's it's it. very difficult to say um, but I think you can only go on the figures that are there so it says that violent crime has risen and that's across the country and it's risen by what, 40% nationally That's a um, lot, isn't it? over 10 years and you know you can't help but think okay well the police are being stretched you know more people the rise of cyber crime is putting a pressure on policing mm -hmm. um, additional uh, laws that have been passed to uh, say that some things are a crime puts additional pressure on the police and then having their numbers cut back yeah. heavily in a short space of time has also put pressure on them. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know where the knife crime things come from, because, I mean, like, drugs. knives have always been... Accept drugs, do you think? Yeah, definitely. What was Labour's view on cannabis? Because cannabis is like a, like a mainstream drug. <laughs> that, you, well, no, it is, isn't it? It's, well, is it... Is it well, I don't know. I, I keep thinking about all the prescribed stuff now as well. I think that there's, so, there's something about... Um, you know the the high level painkillers that seem to be um, that seem to be prevalent in well, terms of drug use. Well, they're op opioids, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I didn't the say opiates. that right, but the um, opiates, yeah. they're like really addictive. I am like used Massively to work with someone, yeah. and and I said you be careful on sort of like it was tramadol. That's and, it, um, yeah, tramadol. She went to um, 
she went to hospital to have a hip replacement and she started, woke up one night, started shaking and having hot sweats and she thought, because she was going through the menopause, that was it. But the nurse said, what medication have you been on? And they said, well, they asked me not to bring it because they wanted to do it all in-house. And, and she said, tramadol. And she said, basically, you're having like a small cold turkey from sort of having too oh, much tramadol. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I mean, in terms, of, um, in terms of cannabis, there was no, um, there was no pledge to, to legalise it. Um, there were um, there were considerations around the medicinal use of cannabis under the direction of a yeah. GP, particularly around CBD um, oils for CBD's legal, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, like the children, yeah, children, um, you know, children with epilepsy, for example. Yeah. There've been really prominent cases where that medicinal use has um, been prescribed. Uh, through GPs and consultants. I think if we had a like a model like Colorado had or Amsterdam had, it would bring so much revenue in to the UK because like places like the states that are legalising are making so much money at the minute. And obviously it might cut down if, like you said yourself, if the knife crime is um, related to drugs, maybe that would cut mm. down on the knife crime and, and like free the police up more as, and as well. Yeah. And it would create I more suppose jobs. the, the worry is that I mean, if people are, are smoking a or, or taking a legal form of cannabis, and, I, and I'm not, you know, we we had a, a big um, event in Grimsby probably about eight months ago, and it was about um, reform of drug laws mm -hmm. because whatever's happening now really isn't working. You know, I spent six weeks knocking on doors, um, and. <laughs> There were an awful lot of doors where I came away giggling slightly because <laughs> there are lots of people who are using it regardless of the legislation. Yeah. Um, and then you think, well, where are they getting it from? Is it right that they are uh, criminalised for it? There are social problems associated with it. But then there's things like um, spice being included there um, is. or added, um, which is... Well, spice you know, is just so the stuff the spray plant matter with. So, I'm, so as I'm aware, it can be any plant matter, and then you can spray the yeah. spice on it, which is a synthetic form of cannabis. Yeah, and I, you know, I, it makes me feel really uh, reserved about saying absolutely Colorado is the way forward or Amsterdam's the way forward. The thing I think that there there needs to be an awful lot more because you know the UK is. It's quite unique in the way that it it's operates. It's not com it's compared not to the rest of the world. Is the way you're looking for. <laughs> it's reserved. It's conservative. Oh, right, is it? Okay. It's just like it's socially acceptable for someone to be sick, like over railings on on drink. But is it's it? Not... Is that socially well, acceptable? Well, it's socially acceptable where you can drive past someone and you'd laugh at them, saying, "Ha, you're being sick. You're like drunk." But if someone says, ah, oh, I'm stoned... That's quite unkind. <laughs> are you the person who drives past laughing at people who are being sick? I just laugh at people anyway, regardless. <laughs> no, because I've got to think about sick, it's disgusting. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like where cannabis has never killed anyone, where alcohol is a massive drain on the NHS. It's like the amount of people you mm. see that violence comes from alcohol mm. as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, I'm and, not saying that. It's a toxin and you wake up. There's a way of cannabis you don't wake up. It's but the like dark side of it is it's when you buy it or if you buy it, where's that money going to and what's that money supporting? Is it supporting cannabis or is it supporting other illegal activities, mm. crime, knife, firearms, yeah, which other it usually drugs is. or prostitution. And, then it, and it doesn't necessarily I mean if you if you were to have a legal form of um 
purchasing cannabis that wouldn't stop illegal activity around other drugs. No, um, you know. but it would bring down because the because the vast majority of drugs I I would have thought apart from cocaine and maybe ecstasy is cannabis. Uh, or then it bring I don't in, know. I don't know what the stats are on it, so I'm not going to just go into that sweeping <laughs> sweeping generalisation. But um, I just think it'd be good for the. Like the country. economy. Yeah. No, it would. <laughs> I mean, especially like Amsterdam, because you can't smoke it on like the street. You can only grow one or, I think it's one or two plants, and you can only buy it and smoke it in premises or your own home that's licensed. Mm. So, River Red Coffee, get, like, get your game face <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, like, you was there on, like, the 12th of December election night, did, like, you know, or was there a slight glimmer of hope you was going to, or did you just think, ah, oh, fucking... It don't matter. It was. It wasn't the. It wasn't even on the twelfth of December. It was. It was some time before that. I knew that we were not going to win. Was, yeah. 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 I mean, I knew it was going to be incredibly difficult from the outset. Um, but yeah, once we started getting into the election campaign, probably you know three weeks out, it was. It was clear we were not going to win. If um, if you had, I mean, I've already mentioned on it touching it, but again, if you had a stronger leader, who sort of put that manifesto in a different way, do you think you would have done better than if it was Jeremy Corbyn? Because people were saying he, Edney, he was weak, he's not strong enough to lead the country. But if you had a, like a strong, It wasn't just strong enough to lead the country. People had a fear of him being inside number 10. The Conservatives did an absolutely fantastic job in making it seem as if he would be a threat to national security. Do you, do you think he would have been a threat no, to national security? No, I don't think security? he would have been a threat to national security. Um, but I also recognise that knocking on doors in, in Grimsby, people were saying that they were worried about the links with certain organisations that he had, where he'd you know, been involved in conversations to, you know, from his perspective, mm. trying to understand um, you know, their situation and trying to understand their side of things. But for people in this country, we're saying, hang on, you're talking to people who ultimately are our enemies. Yeah. Um, and that just didn't that didn't sit right with people. The the like thing is, it's like sort of a nice idea where all cultures can live together. Excuse me, but the fact of it is, all cultures won't live together, and some of them don't want to live together. And that's just a fact of life. It, I mean, it'd be lovely if everyone could live in peace and harmony, but some cultures just don't mix. Is it cultures? I yeah. Think, do you think? Yeah, I, think, I, I, I don't think it's cultures. I think that extremists. They don't want to. Well, they don't want to live side by side. I think it's an extremist thing. I don't think it's a cultural. Well, thing. I've had this conversation when I did. I don't know. I've said this before on a podcast, so I am boring people again. If you're listening, but I did sociology, and we did this um, paper on this tribe where they go out hunting and they leave their kids just to fend for themselves, like in a car, and like the women and men, and then they come back a couple of hours. Now that's unacceptable in our culture, but in their culture. Mm. It's acceptable. So which ones, are they right or are we right? Are they wrong or are we wrong? Mm. So if that culture comes in, It depends here, on whether you always look at things as being right or wrong, I suppose, though, doesn't it? Because... Um, and that's what I did my paper on. Is there such thing as right and wrong? Yeah, oh, there you go. I got a C for it. A C? I would have got Very more, good. but my punctuation was crap and my spelling went all that back <laughs> when I was like, like that again. But yeah. So, like, <laughs> I'm thinking punctuation doesn't matter anymore, does it? So. No, you know, not no. like not with text, but that's <laughs> but um, do do you think it's like cultural differences and like understanding different cultures and acceptance on both sides? Because it's not just our side. Because again, this can be related to um, 
people say Mag, um, Meghan Markle left because of the racist nature of the country, where she just might not have been wanting to be in the spotlight of like everything or end up like mm. Princess Diane ended up. Mm. Do you, like, do you think it's a cultural thing or do you think we are a racist country? Oh, that's a that's a completely different question, isn't it? I, I thought that you were going to go was saying, you know, is it uh, is it possible for people to um, become more accepting of people living well, yeah, no, slightly that's, different that's, that's, ways of life, but all within the same environment? Is, well, yes, people um, can. Do I think that this country is? racist i don't think that everybody in this country is racist but racism exists in this country of course it exists in Mm. this country um and i think that you know there is a huge amount that we could do to try and break down because i think that you know racism ends up stemming from fear fear of the unknown fear of something different um fear of having your own ideas challenged particularly if you're not very good at um standing up for your own ideas maybe you haven't got all of the um you know the the breadth of vocabulary that you might need to be able to defend what it is that you're thinking or feeling yeah um and i think that there also needs to be an acceptance that um you know not everybody does have to accept everything that's put before them no Um, it's like their choice some of my people don't want to but again going back to england being a reserved country i think that's got a lot to do with it because we are on an island as where other continents like Europe, there's quite a lot of countries joined together. So things pass through, things pass through, people pass through. You've got America where people pass through the States. It's where we're just solitary sort of thing. Mm. Well, I mean, if you look at the United States, they are a country based on immigration. You mm. know, they have always sold themselves as a, a land of um, hope and aspiration. And you are welcome from wherever you might come from. That might be slightly different at the moment, not if you're trying to get in from Mexico, for example. But, uh, you know, that is always (laughs) what they have uh, built themselves on. You know, they are a nation of immigrants. um, And we have not really been that. I mean, you know, obviously we we are a nation of immigrants, but, you know, it's it's thousands of years. We're very traditionalists Um, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And quite homogenous in in our, um, you know, in the way that we live and, um, you know, people traditionally have not uh, moved very far from where they were um, brought up that's changed you know the nature of work has changed so people are now traveling and and mixing much more but I think one of the things that I thought about um, you know because I I think you know Grimsby is a place where you know it's an aging population in Grimsby our young people and I spoke about this actually while I was the MP our young people tend to go away and they don't always come back. Yeah. They go away for university. <clears throat> and they don't always come back. And this election, I spoke to this woman and she said, oh, no, my husband's absolutely decided he's not voting Labour for X, Y and Z reasons. Yeah. And she said, I was going to do what he did. Um, but my son's away at university and he's in London. And he's got all these different ideas. Start talking about Brexit, you know. And he, she was like, you know, we're really, we voted to leave. Um and my son's gone away to London and he's all about Remain now. So he comes back and he has massive rows with his dad yeah. about, um, about Brexit. And she said it's been really difficult to, you know, loving them both yeah, to be got- then in the middle of this argument. And I thought, oh, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, you know, if people are going away, particularly younger people going away, moving to big cities, um, having a completely different life experience, um, and picking up new ideas well, and a, a new fa- way of life in a much more multicultural setting than we have here. Multicultural. Yeah. Cultural. And they come back 
and they're like, oh, actually, that's where I want to be. I want yeah. to be in that open society with things that are different to what I know, whether it's different food or different language or different lifestyle, well, different religion, whatever it might and be. And it's a different, it's, it's, it's a faster pace of life in places like Manchester and London. You do things faster. But yeah, it's all about acceptance mm. and like sort of things like that. Um, going back to America, what do you think of Mr. Trump? I'm not his biggest fan. I rang the White House up, you know, to see if he wanted to come on. <laughs> and and the, the, because it's the, the sort of thing he might just do because it's a, a bit wacky. It's uh, what he's trying to say. <laughs> and well, because why, it's, a, it's not like it's a, a huge national podcast, is it? Not yet. Bespoke. Bespoke. Hey, I've it got, could be. I've got listeners in America. You. It could launch you. France internationally. France is a big one for like for me, and like really? America, California is big. Yeah. Goodness. Um, yeah, and they said, well, this is a comments line, and they said if you want him to come on or want to speak to him, you should email. I said I've already done that, and that, and I just left a message for him. I did like, although I disagreed with him fundamentally. <laughs> I did like the uh, Trump's. Um, ambassador, US ambassador in London. Did you? Yeah, Woody Johnson. Really, um, I mean, very much in the the mould of a um, of a Republican um, business driven kind of uh, person, but really nice, really nice, really enthusiastic. Have you ever met Trump? No. Would you if you got given the chance? Because um, he's a life's character, isn't he? Yeah. He, he like says what he wants, and like America at the minute is quite. Unemployment's down, the economy is up, and like things like that. And he, I mean, granted, he is a buffoon at like times. Mm. Don't like that put you off, Mister P, coming on. But <laughs> do you, but do you, but do you think he's that's because he is where he is because he's straight talking. He doesn't say no shit, and he says what he thinks. Yeah, because I mean, he does I a lot really on Twitter, doesn't he? Yeah, he does do an awful lot on Twitter. I mean, I I don't, I just don't like that. I don't like that. That the is brashness. the way that politics is going. I don't. Um, I understand that people appreciate, uh, you know, the the simplicity of his communication. What on Twitter? He on just on Twitter, on but Twitter, also in his speeches. You know, you know this. Um, I mean, if it were me saying the things that Donald Trump says, I would be absolutely ripped to pieces. Mm. I would be ripped to pieces. Um, you know, I would be deemed to be inarticulate. I would be thick. Um, I would be an embarrassment. But he stands up and tells people that they should be grateful for how fantastic he is mm. and how clever he is. <laughs> and and I just think it's a step too far because I don't, I don't believe that he really understands what's going on around him. And I find it frightening that so many people don't seem to care that he doesn't really understand what's mm. going on around him. And I thought, I mean, we're, you know, just coming off the back of the um, Suleimani, um, I don't know what to call it, assassination? Killing. Murder, Well, whatever. Well, like he said, he um, had, well, they said they've had proof, haven't they, that um, he was planning yeah. terrorist attacks Well, I think, that, you know, I think people should be shown that. And I think in an international community, that information should have been shared. I mean, Iran's not the best place for people who are gay or want to be different and no. want to have their own opinion. God, no, it isn't. You no. get and, chucked and off nobody, a building. You, yeah, and, is, and that can happen in, in it, lots of places in the Middle can. East, and it can also happen it, in America. Yeah. Um, and there are people you know, here who get beaten up for being gay, so let's not... But it's more prevalent um, over there when they're like the stone people for blast, like saying something against the religion. 
Yeah, well, I don't think that we're talking no, about introducing say, that. And so I don't think we should get distracted by those no. kind of... Um, those kind of measures under their system but i do think that when you've got the most powerful person on earth taking unilateral action on foreign soil what prevents him from deciding that uh, he can do that anywhere in the world i think that's the question of how accurate really, it was yeah exactly and uh, you know and I'm, I'm pleased you know that that it hasn't escalated but i do think that it was it was an incredibly high risk move and in international diplomacy, high risk is not desirable. Well, you said escalate. Let's hope this plane doesn't wind everyone up because they've admitted now, haven't they? To sh- yeah. yeah, do, yeah. Do, like, do, do, do you think it was an accident or do you think it was like, we'll teach them a lesson? No, I, well, I think it was an accident because I don't know why they were, why Iran would shoot down their own. It was a Ukraine plane, plane wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was a Ukrainian. Yeah. It was a Ukrainian airline, but it had eighty-two Iranians on. Yeah. Well, they've not having much luck, Ukraine, because they got a plane shot down. Was it Australia the year before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Um, what was I was you? We was on about Donald Trump, weren't we? Do you, Do you think going back to the police issue about police being taken up in them, like the UK that they're going on like silly things like he said this about facebook she like said this about me on twitter he called me that and the police got to get involved because it's classed as a hate speech crime when it's all this thing about in the uk about free speech at the minute hence one of the reasons why i've launched the podcast last year was that i believe everyone's got to have an opinion everyone's got to say what they feel they've got to have an opinion well they haven't got to i mean that's not really very free is it (laughs) i should reword it better (laughs) they should have their opinion heard if they've got an opinion. Okay, if they've got an opinion. Whether it, but I don't have to listen to it if I don't want no, to. No, just, like sort of, just like switch off people. Like sort of people have blocked me on Twitter. People don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I think having the opportunity to have that free speech is important. In terms of the police, um, I, you know, MPs were put under a huge amount of scrutiny over the last few years. And mm. I ended up in a situation where somebody sent something through. And I never really Can, felt under threat personally what was it that sent through um somebody did say something i can't remember the exact wording but along the lines of you should be dead yeah or, but that's you know. incitement isn't it that's a bit different to free speech yeah, that's so it was that's a threat and it had in, it had increased you know the the amount of threats that mps had been uh, been subject to Especially, so the police did end up getting involved in that yeah but I didn't, you know, it was a caution. I was like, yeah, just, well, just tell them that's a daft Especially, thing to do. was it last year or the year before that MP you got stabbed? It was, was it in Leeds? No. So it was 2016. 2016, It was yeah. in the middle of the European referendum. It was my friend Joe Cox. Yeah. And it was in Batley and Spen. Yeah. So, yeah. there you go. I got that one wrong. But, like, everyone from, like, there on took, do you, like, it lasted about five minutes though my my real worry is that you know she's a 40 year old mother of two um and she was my god she was she was amazing amazing woman um you know she'd been a humanitarian she'd been working out in syria she'd done huge amounts of charity work um ended up uh, being a member of parliament um, and, you know, every day attacked it with gusto. Yeah. She was just, she was tireless um, and every single, and she was phenomenally bright and every single person that she came into contact with 
um, never ever forgot the mm. you know the the time that they spent with her because she she was great. Um, and the fact that she was murdered because she was shot and stabbed. She was a tiny woman. Was tiny. She shot? Yes. Ah. She was a tiny, tiny woman. And as soon as I heard the level of injuries, I just thought, there's no way that she could overcome that. Yeah. And so for for those of us who were friends with her, you know, you'd expect this to sort of remain in the consciousness of the public at large, but also amongst MPs. And I was really amazed at how quickly it sort of moved beyond. And we always, um, while I was the MP, we always held um, a more in common event, uh, great get-togethers on the anniversary of her death, um, trying to bring communities together, yeah. trying to, you know, reach out beyond the normal um, group of people who might attend things like that yeah. and try and, you know, get people to mix a little bit more. Do you think that's still um, going to happen now you're not MP? Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, I haven't got staff, I haven't got resources. Um, you know, it'd be great to still do something like yeah. that. Um, it would be much more reliant on communities helping me to do that. I'm sure people um, would. I hope that they will. I hope they will because um, I just think it was, you know, it was a dreadful, dreadful moment in our history. It's you know, n- it no, doesn't yeah, happen in no, this country. it's not something to... And yet it seems like, you know, people move beyond it very very quickly and that that makes me feel a bit it's sad. it's yeah it's the 24 hour news cycle that once mm. then then something else comes and it pushes it and then it's just gone yeah yeah and it sort of shouldn't be like that because that was a to be fair it was an important thing that happened a it was horrible and tragic but b it was like it's brought up a new level like that's yeah. scary and when you think you know that really should have made people think well I'm not going to put stupid things on the internet now I'm not going to you know be a keyboard warrior and mm. start saying it didn't stop no it just didn't stop and that's for MPs on all sides of the house um, and not just MPs either it happens and I funnily enough I did a I did a morning with the police um, while they're out on patrol and and that thing about, you know, people putting in silly complaints to the yeah. police. Not silly complaints, because it obviously upsets them. That's, that's the wrong word. Um, but... But people should take self-responsibility and have more common sense. Yeah, and it, things that are not a crime. Yeah. You know, so somebody went in to say that somebody... They had a, a business page on Facebook and somebody kept putting awful things on it. You know, personal things on it. Not Why nice. Why didn't you just block them? Um... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but they, they came to the police station and said, oh, but they're saying things and it's libelous. And I was like, but that is a crime, but it's not a crime that the police would investigate because that would be a civil matter yeah. and you'd have to go and get legal advice. Well, a lot of people don't understand um, the civil and crime no, thing, do they? It wasn't, it wasn't criminal. And so, yeah, and it was just like, this, this police officer was great and so much patience and I was like I couldn't do that job I couldn't do that no. job they were, it was just really good like talking through the steps and the options and you know if things haven't improved come back and I was like wow that is just patience and phenomenal yeah 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 and I was just like you, you shouldn't be here you need to go get out <laughs> get on with your life <laughs> yeah it's like it's like you've, you've probably wasted a week of yourself worrying like sort of over that and that's a like 
that could have been a week of your life where you could have been enjoying something else but mm. looking on the dark side. Uh, do you believe there's such thing as hate speech? Yeah. Or do you think that... Because something you might find offensive, someone else might not find offensive. Yeah. So you might class that as hate speech where the other person might... Yeah, but I, I mean, think like, that that's we, important about having definitions and there are definitions But for who what, makes a definition well, of hate speech? government makes a definition of hate speech um, and um, and also uh, legal precedent and judges make the make the definition but of, what of they hate find speech as it's developed. Hate speech. No, it's not about them finding it as Have they as got guidelines speech. to go yeah, through? Yeah, they've got guidelines. So who yeah, makes yeah. them guidelines? The politicians make those guidelines. But again, um, it comes back to if they found it offensive, someone might not find it offensive. I mean, but, like, but, it's, but in, it's very broad. In, and I think that, you know, the, the big thing when it comes, to, um, it comes to hate speech is about the level of incitement. And there are, uh, and there are also very clear. So, you know, in terms of um, racism... In terms of sexism or in terms of, um, I don't know, uh, kind of commentary against disabled people or gay people, um, there are some very clear things there that you know are things that just as a society we don't think are acceptable. And people can still say them. But that doesn't mean that we think that they're acceptable. Like sort of incitement, like I'm going to stab you, that's classed as a crime because it's incitement or someone should run you over. Mm. Not like you, I'm talking about you as a collectiveness, yeah. um, that's classed as incitement. But what would you say about if someone, like especially the trans community, because the trans has blown up over this last year, if like someone said, well, I don't think trans women are real women, would you class that as hate speech or, or would you class that as an opinion? Because yeah. like, there was a guy from Case to Want Roof who retweeted like a limerick last year and he got um, the police come around and said, check your thinking about it. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, I, vaguely, I vaguely remember it. And I think that um, particularly around the uh, trans community, this is a kind of emerging pressure group um, of um, of people and, and it's very early days. Mm. And I think that there is, um, there's a huge amount of sensitivity around it. And I suppose for me, it, if you look back to, um, you know, the emergence of a legal gay community, mm. um, uh, that some of the stuff around language then, it's ta- it took them 20 years, 30 years. It's still not resolved in terms of the kind of language that is acceptable in, in everyday mm. usage. Um, and I suspect that with, and I don't know, because I haven't had a huge amount of dealings and I feel very nervous about like just um, wading in to yeah. what is a very, very sensitive area of people's lives. Um, but, you know, for the trans community to look at how long it took the gay community yeah. to be in a position where they knew exactly uh, what was all right and what wasn't all right but in terms of that language. I mean, that is different um, from gay to trans because trans is more... I think people are fixed on the biological way, saying, I respect your opinion, I, you know, I'm prepared to accept that you accept you're a woman, but I, w- I can never see you as a woman, or like as a real woman, being a like was a man. They would find that as hate speech, and people can get... Or as a real that. man. Yeah, or like vice versa, because you get trans women, you get trans men. But now you've got it where trans men or a man gives birth. And it's like getting... Com- and it's, like, and and it's difficult because it clashes, you know, for, for lots of women who have had, um, you know, a long history in the feminist movement, it tends to be the men who've transitioned to, to women, women or the, the male who've transitioned to female, um, it tends to be that 
lobby which is very vocal and it doesn't sit ever so well then. No, with the tear. The, with, that's what the car. I know, and I don't, and I think that that is, you know, that could be it, a, it's problematic. Like a yeah, yeah, well. exactly. I think it's problematic. Name calling on on every side is really, really problematic. And of those um, trans people who I uh, know, and and it is very few. So I'm not going to no. pretend that it's, um, you know, a universal view at all. They are not militant. They are not angry. They're just trying to get on with their lives. Um, they've got families. They've got partners. Yeah. And you know, trying to start um, rows with anybody about anything just isn't. You know, they've got enough going on in their lives to be perfectly honest. Someone that did. They don't want to start calling people like, names. There's like certain groups. There's Mermaid and Stonewall that have got an agenda by pushing things out and they're not open matters. And then the media's not open matters. Well, I've had two trans on, and they don't seem to really care. One of them was. Melissa Reed, who won the lottery. All right. She bought a again. This is on the oh, podcast. Is it the woman from Hull? Yeah, that yeah. died. Yeah, but, she has. She's passed away now, hasn't she? But yeah, do you that know? Was really sad. A, but do you know? She sold her soul to the devil. Apparently, her and the fee, her and her fiance Rachel did some sort of ceremony six months before she won the lottery. So she bought a ten pound scratch card, won four million. She didn't go in there to buy a scratch card, but something was telling her to buy the scratch card. She got it, won four million. And then she died not long afterwards. But they said they did some sort of bloodletting thing where she sold her soul. They like did it in this circle with candles and that. And she signed something in blood and everything. Mm. And then she just mysteriously died. Right. But like, I well, asked that's her, just silly, isn't it? I mean, she died and, and well, it's absolutely nothing to do with that. That's your, <laughs> that's your opinion. <laughs> You maybe should have sold your soul to win the lottery, to, to like, sort of win the well, election. I'll go. I, shall, I, I will go and I will mark a pentagram out. And Wheels I will, be towards the witch's circle. Uh, right, okay, well, I'll go there and do that. Um, but <laughs> I, I asked her about the um, stuff she get, and I said, what sort of um, stuff do you get people shouting at you? And like, it says, people say, ah, oh, get your dick out down the street. And they ended up carrying it like a dildo in a bag. So if they sort of shouted at that, they would pull to, it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just to shut them up. Yeah, <coughs> and which is a, you know, that yeah. is kind of owning it and sticking two fingers up at people. Who and are like just rude. the other trans I, I had on said, well, everyone's allowed their own opinion, but if they started to come up to my face and be disrespectful, that's a different matter. Yeah, and I think that that so thing the majority about respect of them is just um, the, you know, that in terms of community and respect and having a little bit more compassion for people rather than feeling the need to blurt out the first bit of crap that comes into your head. But it's still there, I mean, it's still their choice if they wanted to do that. It's very sensitive, it's, and it's the minute, because everything's done on Twitter, Face, well, I'm not on Facebook anymore, Twitter and Facebook. You can't get a clear view of anything on Twitter. You know, most people are, on Twitter, are in an echo chamber. So they are speaking to people who broadly agree with them. Um... That is, that's just the yeah. nature of it. There are other people who are deliberately provocative. And I, they, I could put my hand up for that yeah, song, like, that, so sometimes, that to be is, fair. Yeah, yeah, and that is, that's perfectly within their right to be yeah. deliberately provocative um, and try to You looked to at me gain, when you said that. You completely looked not, at me I'm not, I'm looking eyes. at you, but I'm thinking about Katie Hopkins. Uh, you know, who, she said that she'd come on my podcast. Did she? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I emailed her because okay. like she, because um, I like get it all on Twitter or like Facebook, yeah. and she said... Um, well, email me, and I've emailed her, and she hasn't said out. Mm. And I thought she'd be a good one, but the more I see of her, I that did like, like her. That sounds like a big fat liar. I did <laughs> see more of her, and the, like, she did this speech in, like, I think it was in America, 
and it was a bit cringeworthy to be fair. But she does, I mean, the things that she puts out, she deliberately sets out to be outrageous. Oh, um, and that's that thing, generates isn't it? it generates work for her mm. because you know the more outrageous she is, the more people retweet it or comment um, or comment retweet um, or reply to her, the further the reach goes, and it plays into an audience. There will always be an audience for some of, of this stuff, um, and that's how she you know will have to pay her, her mortgage. You know she's she's had a massive libel bill to pay, so she's lost her house. Has she? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? I can't remember what her real name is now, but she she's uh, the bootstrap cook. Um, anyway, she wrote something on Twitter. Um, she, and she, she's been, yeah. No, so sorry, she, go yeah, on. Yeah, she wrote something on Twitter about her, um, which was untrue, completely untrue. You know, the woman took it to... Um, took it to court and gave Katie Hopkins lots of opportunity to, you know, just pull out, make a donation to charity, whatever. But Katie Hopkins was digging in and she lost the case and she's lost her house. And I think she's got a lot of money coming in from America now. Yeah, yeah. Well, she'll she's need got, it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, because uh, I'm like going to move on in a minute because there's got one more question after this one. What okay. do you think to Tommy Robinson and his views of, of things? Because like, he's been absolutely... Well, his name isn't now, Tommy isn't Robinson. His name no, is Stephen Yaxley Lennon. And I think that we should all remember that that is his real name, not this caricature that he's built up Stephen of being, uh, you know, this kind of football lads association type leader of white British people. Mm. Um, I take I, it you don't like it then from just that part. No, I really, I don't. I think, uh, you know, I think that it's dangerous because I feel like, and he's been here to Grimsby a couple of times. I've tried to get him on the podcast. Yeah. And, um... And I find when he was on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I, I find his comments really grossly offensive, and I find them dangerous because it really does whip up a storm um, and make people feel a sense of injustice. And, yeah. and, he, and he pits people against each other. He's certainly not a stupid person. When like people say he's thick, I'm, I, I, I like to say something. You got to listen to him because he's manipulating everything. I mean, I've read some of his book while well, halfway through it. I just read books and I'm halfway through and put it down and get one. And he's like, he's like early in his earlier life was. He was quite intelligent, to be fair to him, but... Well, it depends on what you think of as intelligent. Because well, I suspect a... he hasn't got any original ideas. I suspect it's an awful lot of regurgitation. I think he got an apprenticeship with a, like, some right. sort of aerospace company. Mm. Okay. That's just what I was basing that yeah. off. Because you, you, know, you can't be thick if you... Well, then again... I know people who fix planes and they're not all that, so maybe I'm just destroying well, my argument okay. there. Well, I mean, fine, you know, he, he got an apprenticeship. Um, but I do, you know, for me, the the path that he's chosen to take, um, I think is, um, I, I do think it is dangerous. I think that he comes and targets areas like Grimsby, mm. where there are um, people who don't feel like their voices are being heard, Um you know, as much as I try to to you know give a, a voice to it, they're simply for some people not enough trust in someone like me to do it, um, and they gravitate towards somebody like him who, you know, causes a bit of trouble, is seen as being anti-establishment, um, you know, plays into yeah. a lot of the armed forces stuff as well, which I think is a gross misuse of uh, of, of a very uh, a proud tradition of our armed forces. Um, and changes history, you know, doesn't actually um, mm. give a, a, a true reflection of what this country has always been about. I, th- I think a lot of people, especially on Facebook, as you say, everyone gets whipped up in a frenzy. Everyone listens to everyone on like, Facebook, and they're very 
closed-minded and there's no critical thinking. If I give you an example, there's a guy, um, and I've said this before, there was a guy who collapsed and passed away down an alleyway off um, Patrick Street. Yeah. And I saw the comments and it was like, oh, another stabbing. Oh, my granddad says just someone's got stabbed. And there was all these things about violence, poor person, poor person. Oh, someone's going to get arrested. Then it turned out we just had an heart attack. Yeah. And I was like, if you start a rumour like that, especially on Facebook, mm. it snowballs. Yeah. And it's like... And we've always had a... Uh, a huge susceptibility around here for a everyone, lot of urban myths. Everyone we love a bit everyone, of an yeah. urban myth because everyone talks, don't they? And so the you know Chinese <coughs> yeah. whispers things get changed. And yeah, Facebook is one of the worst places for it. That's that's sort of like one of the reasons why I've like sort of come off. So one more question yeah. because it's starting to get busy. Um, well, I say busy. One person's walked in. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do yourself now? And are you sad that you're not an MP anymore? Um. Sort of I, I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. It was a, it was a sad event. Mm-hmm. You know, I I took a lot of pride in the role, and I felt a deep sense of responsibility being a, a Labour MP here, um, and always feared that I would end up being the one that lost it somehow because things have been so turbulent. And I, you know, I, I'm from Grimsby. I, I live in Grimsby. I know, I hear it. I feel, you know, can feel the, the same sense that everybody else is, is feeling. Um, so I, I feel really like I've let down a lot of people because I don't think you've let within the Labour Party particularly. Because w- was you Brexit or... No, that? so I, I campaigned for Remain. I, I, and like I voted Remain. Yeah. And, um, well, and then... You should respect the vote. In the in the end, yeah. In the end, I voted for the last opportunity for the deal. Yeah. Um, but even that, I was criticised for. It was like, oh, yeah, you're just trying I to know. save your own skin, and you know all that sort of thing. I it's like, thought, I thought that was a bit. Yeah. Quite out of order, and it and it was and it wasn't true. You know, that's the thing. I, I'm well aware that actually, in a, a national picture, the actions of an individual make very little difference. The national narrative dominates everything in the, the general press. election it's the press yeah, the only yeah. problem that's another and, reason why because yeah. like this is unedited so it's not going to be like a panorama kangaroo court thing. <laughs> you get what you get i yeah. say what i want to say i don't think i mean some people say my ass on that but i try to get everyone from all different walks of life on because i think everyone should have an opinion mm. and everyone's got the right to express that opinion whether they be scared or not so yeah so i feel like you know i I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, still licking my wounds, but I do feel like, you know, the Labour Party's, you know, not having a, an MP, a Labour MP for Grimsby is, is a big shift, a big change, and that's really difficult, but, the, the, Like, sort of going to have to do a lot of hard work to keep it up if the Conservatives want to stay in, because if it was just this Brexit thing, mm. and people see past that. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see whether or not, you know, the promises that have been made are kept by the Conservatives. Um, I hope that, you know, I always felt that, you know, the Labour almost had to work twice as hard to defend itself mm. to um, to win the votes. Grimsby never gave its vote easily. Do you think that's easily. due to Jeremy Corbyn again, though? Or do you think, because you keep saying it's Labour, or do you, or do you think it was the no, running of Labour No, I think, it's, I think it's always been, even, you know, before. So I, I remember being out here campaigning when um, Gordon Brown was leader. I remember campaigning when Ed Miliband was leader. Um, I never campaigned here under, um, under Blair. But campaigned elsewhere in the country. But here, um, you know, it always felt like you had to work really hard. Yeah. Do you to, like Blair? To the vote. Or, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Like even because he took us to war, didn't he, on that yeah, dossier on the lie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. That will be that will be the you know, it, it's trashed it's trashed his it, reputation, you know. And, and the person who ruined. said it was a lie, he committed suicide. Yeah, I know. And field, it's but I just feel like you know, that has that will overshadow everything that everything he ever, ever say, done. you know, you can't he cannot now have an opinion because of that decision. Yeah. And it changed the way that, you know, as a country we make decisions about how what we get involved in. So even if we have got a moral responsibility, sometimes we have not taken action where we ought to have done. Um, it has shifted everything. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it is what it is. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that as a leader of the Labour Party, he didn't do a huge amount of good. Mm. So now you're a muggle. You're no longer, a muggle. Yeah, you're no longer <laughs> on the upper echelons of I the know, community. I'm no longer a VIP. No, you, no you've a been VOP. kicked out of Hogwarts. <laughs> um, what's some your plans for the rest of the year? Um, I mean, I'm are you going to run again in four years? or? Well, it might not be four years. It might only be like three well, years. We'll might. see. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I haven't made any decisions. I mean, I got asked it as soon as I got the result. Are you going to stand again? I was like, oh, it's a bit too soon to say. It. And it's still too soon to Give say. Give break. I think... Um, yeah, it's been a punishing four years, really, really hard. Like, so it's just chill out time. Yeah, Family yeah. I time. need to find a job. I need to find a job, so I'll Mackers. be doing that. I could go to Mackie. Get ten pound an hour. I could be a welder. You could be. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. A, he's. A, I mean, like, is there anything you would like to do that? sort of like become a writer a blogger or is there anything you want to get involved with that you couldn't do you know before? what I really I, the big thing that um, uh, getting into politics really opened up that I'd never had a chance to do before was to write and write for papers yeah. and um, write for pamphlets um, and you know it was really exciting to discover that because you know I might have enjoyed it at school but never had I had a chance to sort of put my thoughts out yeah. there on particular issues so yeah maybe I'll do um, do some more of that um, and try and get try and get some NUJ rates on that <laughs> what's what's NUJ National Union of Journalists is it yeah oh well, yeah why why try not and like sort of do it's what? something like 4p a word is it like, yeah you have to work out. <laughs> so um I don't know. I, I I still want to. I, I'd like to be able to have the time to do stuff in the community. Yeah, still, I was about to but say. But obviously, that. I need to earn a living. Um, I've still got still got my bills to pay. Got a new puppy now. I She's know. going to be expensive. I imagine. Got her own Instagram account. She's got her own Instagram. What's the Instagram account? For Mis- everybody wants to follow. Misty Retriever Puppy. Misty Retriever yeah. Puppy. <laughs> so well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, and thanks for the coffee. I'm sorry it's taken so long. I know. It's been about now I'm not now. important. I'll come and do it. Oh, like no, no, because like I, um, well, I've had your nemesis Martin Vickers on. All right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've like had him. He's on not my nemesis. <laughs> yeah, look, we like, got might on. be free speech, but I've still got to do a bit of media thing. It's your nemesis, right? Um, like People were always on. surprised to see us on the train together chatting. <laughs> they thought we'd be at each other's. Sort of drinking, trucking cans never, at each other. Yeah. No, it never, it never was very adversarial. The things we disagreed on, we just didn't talk about. He's <laughs> all right, yeah. you know. Because, well, he, but he had someone like with him, and afterwards the dyke plays. And it was very a bit offish at first, but then afterwards, I think they got the impression that I was a bit of a going to hammer him. I was like left wing, or I was going to hammer them all. And I says, "Did you enjoy it?" I says, "Yeah, it went better than we thought." And I went, "See, I might look a bit dippy, but." <laughs> so yeah it's good that you're going to stick within the community yeah get, yeah like sort of get a blog up 
Maybe I should get a get dog a, up. Get I don't know. I don't, I've got enough to do with my dog's Instagram account. It's quite amazing. I like, <laughs> I like you're going to keep in touch with Jeremy Corbyn. Did you ever speak to him face? I mean, obviously you spoke to him face I to face. I did speak to him, but not very often. I think people have got a funny impression, really, of, of how close these things are, as if you can, you know, you're, you're always bumping into people, you know, actually very detached, rarely saw him. Um, occasionally had a bit of a conversation. Um, I suspect I'm not going to be top of his Christmas card list. Did like, so didn't he like you? Um, I don't know that it was didn't like. Just he didn't really know me. Didn't he? No, no. You should have took him for pizza or at dinner time. As much as you can eat, six ninety nine is it? <laughs> well, I I think that he was probably a bit too busy for that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should have done stuff like that. But really, it's. Uh, it's in the gift of whoever is a leader of a party yeah. to try and bring people in and try and have those kind of meetings and conversations and stuff Are like you going to vote for the leader of the party? Because obviously you're yes. still part of it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, definitely. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm back in Jess Phillips um, because I feel like she will be... And I, I know she's, she's Marmite to people as much as Jeremy mm-hmm. Corbyn was Marmite to people, but um, I feel like uh, she would be... Uh, the kind of person that Boris Johnson would not do well against. And so that would open up um, channels, you know, tackling the media that she would be able to get more cut through because the next, the next however long through this parliament, yeah. Labour's irrelevant. You know, they've got an 80 majority in, in the Conservative yeah. Party. We are irrelevant, so it's going to be about cut through. And I think that she's got the ability to reach out beyond the Labour Party membership. So, Did you ever meet Boris Johnson? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's he like? Uh, I think he's all he's right. right. He's he? all right. He just seems a bit daft at times. Yeah, but he, I mean, he, um, so he came up to me before the election because I was obviously voting for his um, his withdrawal uh, bill. And yeah. he came, I was in the members tea room and he came up to me and he said, um, if there's anything that you want to have a conversation about things that will reassure you to make sure that you do um support it then you know we'll, we'll have a sit down and have a cup of tea and i was like well that's as much as you can expect from the prime minister really isn't it yeah i want to get him on the podcast i've messaged him on instagram as well <laughs> well go back to martin martin's got a got a good relationship with him has he yeah i don't know i don't know if martin would now i've had the enemy on <laughs> i'm not I, now i'm the recently <laughs> defeated enemy i'm fairly sure that the I like, did think of ringing about the, the Conservative headquarters and like asking them, but um, they might just take one look at my Twitter and go, no way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thanks again for coming on and thanks That's for right. the coffee and you're always welcome back on. Thank you. Uh, send it's my love good. to your dog. I Excellent do. stuff. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 The Tea Biscuits Podcast.